Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's the only reason we're here, amen. Go ahead and give a praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to be back in church today. I said it's good to be back in church today. I feel sorry for all the folks that are still at home because they're missing it. Amen. They are just missing it. It's kind of like the difference between going to a concert and listening to a CD. (laughs) Or being in a movie or watching a movie. Amen watching football and playing football i'd much rather be actively present wouldn't you good to see y'all today thank you for being here amen before i go to the word of the lord i want to welcome a special guest of mine buddy fowler who is from the uh house of delegates for the state of virginia 55th district represents hanover spotsylvania caroline buddy why don't you stand greet everybody it's good to see him today amen yes uh, buddy said it's good to be back in church today. I appreciate him being here today. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to see everybody in service today. I tell you what, I'm going to be going into some hallowed ground today. Let's just say a quick word of prayer. Is that all right? Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together today in church to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, give us ears to hear your word. Give us hearts ready to receive, spirits sensitive enough to receive it. We thank you for that today, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. It's good to see you back. Third week of live church. It just gets better and better every week. I've had several people tell me, Pastor, we like the six-foot aisles. Don't go back. (laughs) It is kind of nice having all this room, isn't it? So uh, we might just slowly, incrementally squeeze the aisles back as we need the chairs. But it's been kind of nice having all this space. We are, we are so spoiled, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, make sure I have a cushioned chair. I'd like a six-foot aisle if I could, please. Air conditioning would be nice. Man, we're, it's not that we're spoiled, we're blessed. Aren't we blessed? Amen. We're so blessed. Well, what a couple of months we have endured. First, with the COVID issues, you know, social distancing, mask or no mask, which all seems to have just miraculously disappeared of late. Now we are in such tumultuous times, the eruption of emotions and issues that have surfaced in the last two weeks because of the murder of George Floyd. And uh, last Sunday, we had a powerful time of prayer in our live service. If you, were, if you tuned in online, uh, you didn't get to be a part of that. As we all went to our knees together as a church family, we humbled ourselves and we prayed for healing in our nation. You know what was ironic about that moment? I felt so compelled for us to do that. And after service, we had no, more, no less than three people tell us that right before we did that, they felt prompted to take a knee. And they, they obviously, they said, well, I, I can't do that. We're not doing that yet. But they all felt like it was time for us to kneel in prayer. Wasn't that a beautiful, beautiful moment that we all had together last week? And if the murder of Mr. Floyd was not enough, the last several days we've also been rocked with the images of other unprecedented events, peaceful protests, which, by the way, I support. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Violent rioting, senseless looting, physical violence, which I don't support. And then finger pointing that we've seen in every direction. Now, if you don't know me, I'm just going to put you at ease right now. I've always tried to speak very clearly. I'm not going to mince words. Some people love that about me. Some people hate that about me. But I'd much rather really share with you what's on my heart. So do you give me permission to do that today? Amen. 
If you're easily offended, this might not be the sermon for you, so I'm going to close my eyes for 20 seconds and give you a chance to run out the door. Amen. And then we're going to pray for you after they tell us who you are. No. But this past week, I played these images over and over in my mind. And, I mean, it was rough to see the murder of Mr. Floyd. But I also recounted other painful events of black citizens being victims of police brutality that have rocked our nation over the last several years. Baltimore, Dallas, Ferguson, Baton Rouge, Charlottesville, Minneapolis, more than once Minneapolis, Los Angeles, New York City. And to be honest, I I can't believe that we're here yet again. And before I get too deep into my remarks, though, I want to preface everything by saying this. I am thankful for the almost one million men and women who serve as police officers around our country. Amen. The overwhelming majority of them are not only great people, they are a cut above and beyond because it takes a special person to want to serve our community and a job like that, especially today. And I just want to also say I thank the Lord for the men and women in our church that serve. We've got men from Henrico, uh, women uh, from Hanover County, Chesterfield that serve. Thank you. If you're here today, thank you. Amen. We, uh, we might have a city of Rich. We got somebody getting ready to be a city of Richmond officer. So thank the Lord for that. Um, so with that being said, I believe the outrage, though, over the murder of Mr. Floyd, and I, I choose that word intentionally, is warranted. And I have personally not met one person who doesn't feel that way. People should be speaking up and protesting. And I personally have been encouraged by the overwhelming diversity that I've seen represented. Different races, different ages, different backgrounds. I'll be honest with you, in my short life of 53 years, I've never seen protests, if I can just say it plainly, that had so many white people in them for this issue. And I think it's significant. Uh, The flaws of systemic racism, disenfranchised people groups, and corruption at every level, whether it's political or judicial or even in law enforcement have to be addressed and cannot be ignored when they manifest themselves. Why am I talking about this today? Uh, Don't worry, I'll get to the gospel here in just a moment because I feel like people in a position of influence, and I say that humbly, but I feel like people in a position of influence have a responsibility to speak. Community leaders, spiritual leaders, political leaders, that's a little weak response, but I feel like we have a responsibility to speak. Amen. And I've also been reminded that what we are seeing is never going to change. No matter how many laws we pass, no matter how many miles we march, no matter who we elect or throw out of office, until this world finds Jesus. Let me say that again. Nothing is going to change because this is a hard issue. And the only way heart issues change is when hearts come to repentance and we find a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. See, the harsh reality is that evil things happen and will continue to happen because men and women at our core, we are sinners. And guess what? Evil people do evil things. And until heart change happens, nothing is going to permanently change. Last week in our service, we prayed this passage, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That is still the answer for our land. But I want to explore that passage just a little bit deeper. And I want to look at one of the ways that we can turn from our wicked ways. Because humbling ourselves and praying is not the only action that needs to take place. So let me point you to my text today. Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And if one of our guest services people could bring me some water, that would be great. Genesis chapter 4, and verse 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, 
where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, the Lord said to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And so today I want to preach on this subject, my brother's keeper. My brother's keeper. Now I spoke last Sunday during our time of prayer about the events surrounding the death of George Floyd. Thank you. A man who was cruelly murdered at the hands of a law enforcement officer who was using excessive and unnecessary and I believe premeditated force while three other officers stood by and watched. And if you saw the video, there is no denying what took place. Our nation became outraged, and rightfully so. Protests have erupted all over our nation, which are good, but there has also been rioting and looting, which in my opinion only serve to undo and cloud what peaceful protesters are seeking to accomplish. Now in my lifetime, though, I've never seen more people come together on a matter of injustice than what I've seen come from this. It's different. It feels different. It feels like something is changing. And to say it very clearly, I've seen so many white people acknowledging some of them for the first time that systematic racism still exists and that brothers and sisters of color have not been afforded the equal rights and treatment that we have assumed, as, I'm talking about as white people, and hoped that they should be getting. I think George Floyd was a tragic wake up call in the white community. I do. I'm just speaking to you plainly because there was no denying what we saw. I've also seen black and brown people publicly acknowledging that the overwhelming majority of white people do not share the views of prejudice and racism that generations that preceded us did or that may be built into some of the constructs of our society. I've been seeing and hearing more of that than what I've heard in the past. I think both of these are good things to see. Amen? Conversations are happening. People are talking. Change is taking place. Unfortunately, though, I've also seen terrible division and hate and arguing. People are toxic and divisive. Not just the outrage of the event, but we're trying to act like these are simple issues that have simple solutions, but there are no easy and simple solutions. This is a hard issue. And we must turn from our wicked ways and accept the fact that I am my brother's keeper. Selective or politically correct outrage is not the answer. One-upping somebody on Facebook is not the answer. Hashtag convictions are not the answer because the hashtag changes weekly. We must recognize that every man is our brother and every woman is our sister. And we have a responsibility to be our brother's keeper. I also want to acknowledge, admonish, and some of you are not going to like this, but I want to remind the body of Christ that we must, must remember that your identity as a black person or a white person does not supersede your identity as a Jesus follower. Let me say it again for the people in the back. Your identity as a white man or a black woman does not supersede your identity as a follower of Jesus. And I've got Bible for that. That's not for me. That's from the Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now look, here's what the rubber meets the road. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We already were all one because we're all part of one race, the human race. But this supersedes that. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one. Paul is telling us that our relationship with Jesus supersedes our culture, our heritage, our bloodline. We are neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So let me just say it like this. 
If you are more in love with your blackness or your whiteness or your brownness than your Jesusness, then you may be part of the problem. Oh, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but it's the truth. See, because when you took on the name of Jesus, you took on the responsibility to work out the part of you that doesn't want to be your brother's keeper. See, if you're a believer, you don't get to hang your Christianity in the closet for a couple of weeks and go on political, racial, and social media rants that do not pass the what would Jesus do test. Either it is Jesus about everything and in everything, and that is the truth, and we got to live that way, or that's a lie. And we just need to forget about it and close up the doors and put your 10% in something else. See, there's something amazing about the kingdom of God. Faith in Christ that makes us one. The Spirit of God working in us daily to help us get rid of prejudices and wicked worldly thinking. Paul said we have to lay aside what divides us because we're all one in Jesus. This is the great truth that gives us, hear me, don't miss this. This is the great truth that gives us as the body of Christ not only an advantage, but it provides the world an answer. Jesus Christ is the answer to all the prejudice, bitterness, hatred, and misunderstanding on the face of this earth. He is. God makes no distinctions other than lost or found. See, the cross is found on level ground. Everyone is on equal footing before Jesus Christ. And we got to be very careful as believers not to lose sight of that in the midst of all the enemy's distractions and societal issues. Let me once again go on record, as I have many times before, that we as the body of Christ must be outraged. Outraged. Outraged at all forms of racism and bias and prejudice and hate. The loud kind and the quiet kind. The in-your-face kind and the subtle kind. Can I just say it? The subtle kind that people of color have been saying for decades still exists, and many white people have been denying. Because now, can I give you a little insight into the white people? Because sometimes we couldn't see it. Sometimes we wouldn't see it, but sometimes we couldn't see it. Because we didn't really believe that it could still exist. It's not in my heart. Surely it's not in other people's hearts. But again, I think George Floyd was a wake-up call for a lot of people. But rather than look at the standards of the world, let me tell you what the standard is from the Word of God about relations. 1 John 4 and 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. He didn't say you should. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say, let me just give you something to go home and work on. Let me give you a project. No, he said, you've got to love your brother also. Or not only are you a liar, you don't really love me. See, the scripture shouts it. We must love our brothers because prejudice and bias know no boundary and must be crucified by the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about black racism, white racism, brown racism, Christians hating Muslims, citizens hating illegal immigrants, heterosexuals hating homosexuals. Come on, I could go on and on. We've got to love our brothers and sisters. The body of Christ has to be different. See, some of you can't clap because I touched on your issue. But we got to be different. Today, I got to remind us we're our brother's keeper. The burden to love your brother and be your brother's keeper falls on us, the body of Christ. Because hear me, if we don't lead the way, who will? Who will? We must lead the way in providing a moral compass for an immoral generation. Millions of people are protesting injustice, but you know what? They don't have the answer to the questions that they're asking. 
Who will lead the way? The church must lead the way. The body of Christ must lead the way. We must be our brother's keepers. Folks, hear me. What we have is not a political problem. It's not a race problem. Hear me. These are just symptoms. They're not the cause. We have a spiritual problem. It comes from two things. Number one, hearts that have not turned to the Lord and people who don't know Jesus yet, they need to find Jesus Christ. And number two, saved people that need to crucify their flesh and their pride and learn to repent and start acting like we're saved. That's it. People that need to find Jesus and people who found him that need to reconnect to him and start acting like him. See, because the only way you drive out darkness is with light. The only way you drive out hate is with love. And today I want to remind the church of Jesus of our higher standard. Brotherly love. See, we're here today and we're living through these times because like in Genesis, and I couldn't get away from this verse, our brother's blood has been crying to us from the ground. Cain in the Bible killed his brother and then the Lord came to him and said, Genesis 4 verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Of course you know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And can I just tell you, these last two weeks, the blood of George Floyd has been crying out from the ground. The blood of others before him have been crying out from the ground. The blood of innocent people who have died and been injured even during these protests, their blood is also crying out from the ground. We have got to live better, be better, do better, and be the body of Christ. So we have a choice to make when the Lord is asking us, where's your brother? Do I try to fool myself and act like Cain? What, Lord? Am I my brother's keeper? It's his job. Let him rise above it. Let him, no, no. Is it my job to watch over him? The answer is yes. It's your job. It's my job for all of us to look out for each other. We cannot get drawn into the lie that it is your us against their them. See, the barriers that so often divide us and get in our way, color, nationality, social status, or any of the other differences mean nothing to God. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You know, every year I've been pastoring now, September will be our 25th pastoral anniversary. September 1. (laughs) I'm letting you know a little early. 25 years of pastoring. And every year there's certain things that I try to preach on at least once a year that will help us stay spiritually disciplined and focus on the right things. Things like prayer, things like giving, things like serving others, things like connecting in community, things like repentance, things like walking in the Spirit. Amen. And you know what, Brother Sarbro, it's a crying shame. I think I need to add to the list the reminder that we've got to love one another. Amen. Why can't we just act more like Jesus? See, this world, this city needs the peace and love and joy that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ. We say that and it's almost become cliche. But let me ask you, what would happen if everybody knew Jesus and we really tried to live like it? See, we are the hope. The Republican Party is not the hope. The Democratic Party is not the hope. Community rights and civil right leaders, they're not the hope. Don't put your trust in men's wisdom. That's how we got here to begin with. See, I don't want to discourage you, but corruption and abuse will never go away. And I hate to pop that bubble. There's always going to be crooked politicians among the good ones. We got a good one on the front row right here today. There will always be examples of police brutality. Even though, hear me, there are thousands of events every day interactions between the police and the community that never make the cell phones and the social media. You know why? Because there's good cops out there having good interactions with the public. Go ahead and clap for that. Amen. See, we don't see those examples. There's bad apples in every bunch. Bad doctors, bad lawyers, bad preachers, bad black people, bad white people. But that doesn't cause us to stop believing in the good ones. See, let's not paint everybody with the same brush. We need Jesus. 
And we need to do all we can as the body of Christ to be the difference that this world needs to see. We are Christ's body. And I am so thankful to be part of his church. Because we can't let what divides the world divide us. we got to go outside the doors of this building and show people the way. How can we spread the love of Christ to people that are hurting and broken if we are hurting and breaking each other? See, because you're your brother's keeper. Your hurting brother, your marginalized brother, your brothers and sisters, your black brother, your white brother. We are all God's children. And how can we care for others and help change our world without first being our brother's keepers? Because hate knows no boundaries. It is a poison as old as human beings are. It is the dark side of all of us. Some in greater measure than others. Some more crucified than others. It's that hidden spark that wants to burst into flames under the wrong conditions. So when the sparks fly, where does the body of Christ fit into all this? How are we supposed to act? What are believers supposed to do? See, we're saturated with so many wicked lives that corrupt our hearts and our spirits that we forget the simple message that you are your brother's keeper. Common sense and human decency are being drowned out by the constant chatter and poison that we hear from the enemy. Love your brother. Be your brother's keeper. James 1, 19 and 20 gives some pretty good advice. It says, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Jesus actually felt pretty strong about how we were to treat others in our lives. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. There's always somebody wanting to test your Holy Ghost. Amen. Said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But, everybody say but. But he wanted to justify himself. There's always a qualification. So he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? See, this guy wants to test Jesus. Jesus says, well, what does the law say? He says, Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Do this, you'll live. Then the lawyer says, well, who's my neighbor? Is it the guy next door? Is it the lady across the street? See, because that's a good question. Who am I supposed to love? Just who are we supposed to love? And how are we supposed to love? Who is supposed to be my neighbor? Well, Jesus gave the answer to the lawyer in a little story in Luke 10, verse 30, where he said this, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, now notice Jesus is bringing race into this now. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Here comes the religious folks. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, another religious guy, a little lower down the pecking order. He walks over, looks at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. See, that wasn't, that wasn't just a, a, a geographical uh, identifier. That was a racial identifier. A Samaritan was a half-breed, half-Jew, half-Gentile. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he took the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yeah, now go do the same. Mercy. What does mercy look like? 
What, what is mercy? Well, is it paying the man's doctor bill? Yeah. Is it putting him on your donkey? Yep. Is it putting him up in a hotel room? Yep. Is it feeding him? Yep. Is it, is it tending to his wounds? Yep. Is it kneeling down and sympathizing with him when the religious dudes went on by, when the other people went Yep. See, it's, it's all of those things. It's recognizing his pain, even though you may not understand his pain. It's hearing his voice, even when it might be coming at you in a shout. Sometimes you just have to stop and listen. Who is my brother? Anybody is the indicator in this story. Love everyone. Jesus said, go and do the same. Be your brother's keeper. People of other cultures, races, social standings, they're your neighbor. They're your brother. Red, yellow, black, white, we are precious in his sight. Handicapped. Whole, rich, poor, everyone is my brother, saint of God. The gay man or woman that you work with, love them. Don't judge them. They get enough of that from Christians already. Can I just be blunt? Sometimes Christians are the most hateful people that ever walked in shoe leather. Show them the love of Jesus. The person that's struggling in every area of their life and makes terrible choices all the time. They're a hot mess. They know it, you know it. Love them anyway. Be their neighbor. The Muslim or the Buddhist that you want to convert to Christianity, you don't understand them, guess what? They don't understand you either. Love them unconditionally. Come on, I need a better response than that. You're not going to reach the world by hating on people that you want to reach. It doesn't mean you're compromising your faith. It doesn't mean you're compromising your core conviction. It doesn't mean you're, you're walking away from your truth. But your truth is strong enough that you can love people that you don't agree with. Come on, folks. I'm bigger than that. You're bigger than that. Your brother may not go to the same kind of church that you do. He may not share your same doctrine. He may not share your convictions. Love them anyway. You might have a problem with somebody sitting in this building right now. You need to take that to Jesus, and you need to try to get it right if you can and love him anyway. See, a brother's not just somebody that shares your bloodline. It's any fellow human being. Because, folks, we're all a part of the same race. The human race. We've all got the same bloodline. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. How do I do it? How do I fulfill the command? The love of God is what enables us to love those around us. Galatians 5, 14. Praise team, I want you to come on up, man. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, we have to first of all open our ears and hear the cry of this generation. Then we have to answer the cry of this gospel and this generation by showing love and concern and by sharing the gospel. See, one of the greatest resources God has given to us is our spiritual family. And the greatest gift beside His Spirit that He left in this world is the church. God's presence in the body of Christ gives witness of His power. Amen? And I want us to pray today for God to heal our land. Stand with me all over the room if you're able to. See, we live in the greatest land on earth. And the enemy wants to destroy all that. Amen? We have a little family feud right now. Enemy wants to come in and exploit that. Let me, let me just give you a practical. You know, in your marriage, sometimes you might have a little squabble. Isn't it amazing how the enemy likes to just try to, he sees an opportunity, he wants to jump in there, see if he can exploit it, make it worse. You have an issue with your children, and if it's your teenagers or adult children, 
the enemy tries to come in there and make it bigger than it is and try to destroy it. And I don't want to oversimplify this, but if we really are one race and one family, then what we're having right now is a little bit of a flare-up of a family feud. <laughs> you know what we got to do? We got to talk it out. We got to work it out. We got to pray it out. And we got to love it out. Amen. If not, you know what we're going to do? Can I just tell you what we're going to do? We're, the dust is going to settle. Everybody's going to retreat to their corners. They're going to go back to their Facebook pages, and we're all going to start acting like a bunch of heathen again. And nothing's going to change. I want this. I'm, I'm going to just tell you what I've been praying this week. I want this to be a turning point. I do. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for our land, for God to heal our land. I want the events of the last two weeks, if the Lord tarries and we live long enough, I want them to look back on 2020 and not remember COVID-19. I want them to, re to see and remember the reconciliation that came to the United States of America as a result of all this that happened. You think I'm dreaming too big? Maybe you're not dreaming big enough, amen? We can have another moment that can change this world. But you know where it starts? It starts here. It starts with us. And it starts with the body of Christ. Brother Quincy, where are you at? Come on up here. I asked my brother Quincy to come up with me. And he's going to help us pray. This is my brother. Amen. Of another mother. Amen. <laughs> of another color. But you know what? I love this man. I fell in love with Quincy and his family from the moment they've been coming to Life Church. Some of you haven't even had a chance to meet him. This is a great guy. And you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit further. I appreciate it's, it's hard if you're a person of color, can I just say it, to join a predominantly white church. It ain't easy. Can all my black brothers and sisters say amen? It's not easy. It already says something about their hearts. That they're willing to put away a certain amount of stuff. Because trust me, there's stereotypes about white churches just like there's stereotypes about black churches. Come on, somebody. Everybody's, everybody's all nervous. Why are y'all so uptight? You get in the car and go home talk about it. We ought to talk about it in church. White people act a certain way. Black people act a certain way. You know why we talk about it? It's true. It's who we are. It's how God wired us to be. Why can't we celebrate our differences instead of making dividing lines over them? Amen? So we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right where we are. Thank you, Mike. And we're going to pray for God to heal our land. And I want it to start in the body of Christ. So why don't you take hands with somebody next to you or join somebody if it's somebody that you shelter with or if you're not freaked out about social distance, whatever your, your level of comfort is. Seriously, I mean that. Just whatever your level of comfort is. Can I just say this? People have been marching shoulder to shoulder by the tens of thousands for the last two weeks. Maybe we can have a little bit of an altar call in church today. Would that be all right? To pray for our, our, our nation. So let's pray together. Quincy, I want you to start us off. Just pray for us, brother. Father God, as once again we come just to say thank you. God, we thank you for another yes. part of your service. Now, God, we ask that you come in and that you bind up the spirit of racism, God, yes. that has covered us for so many years. Yes. God, we pray right now, God, that you'll go into the depths and into the hearts of your people's mind, Father God. God, we pray right now that the blood of Jesus will rest over our hearts right now. Yes. Father, we ask now that you bind it up, God. You said whatever we bind on earth should be bound in heaven. God, we ask right now that you loose your spirit of love yes. upon your people, God. We ask right now, God, that as you loose it from heaven, God, that we will fill a fire, God, that we will fill the anointing from the Pentecost, God. Yes. We pray right now, God, that the fire and the de-anointing We'll burn every spirit of racism. Yes. Every spirit of hatred. Yes. Father God, we come together as brothers and sisters. Yes. And we bind with one another, God, believing, God, that you're going to do some great and mighty things that we know it's not. So, God, now, your people, which are called by your name, yes. we yes. humble ourselves, yes. Yes. God, 
We seek our Thank face, you, God. Jesus. We turn from our wicked ways, God. Hallelujah. And God, we ask now that you heal our land, Yes, God. heal our land, In Jesus' name we pray. Yes, Amen. yes, yes, yes. I want you to lift your hands. Let's begin to cry out to God. Come on, let's have some warfare prayer right now. Pray for our land. Pray for our nation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing today, God. I pray for you to restore today, God. I pray, God, for you to restore everything that the enemy has tried to destroy and devour. God, I pray for you to do a quick work of restoration, O oh Lord, on our land, in the body of Christ, in our streets, in our city, in our counties, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would tear walls down, God, and you would build brothers and sisters up together. God, make us a community of believers, Lord. Make us a family. Make us one. Help us, Lord God, to love one another as you loved us. Help us, oh Lord, to love each other with pure love and lay aside any prejudice or preconceived ideas or thoughts or biases against one another. And help us, Lord God, to come together as one. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give him a praise all over this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing the words of these songs. A breakthrough is coming. Oh, you don't hear me. I said a breakthrough is coming. Hallelujah. I know a breakthrough is coming. And it's going to, if it's got to start right here, let it start right here. Amen. Are you ready? Let's sing it together. Amen. I know a breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. Come on, God, God gave us a promise. You made me a promise and it won't stop now. Yeah. Oh, I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop now. Come on, I know a breakthrough's coming. I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith.
Amen. Before Stephen comes to receive our offering and close our service, I want to issue a challenge to the church this week. I want you to live James 1.19. I want you to try to do this. Throw it back up on the screen if you can, please. This is your challenge for the week. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's stop battling with people that we don't need to be battling with. Can I also, can I get, let's also not just feast on other people's battlings either. Some of y'all staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching two strangers fight. I ain't got time for that. I got enough toxic stuff to deal with without carrying everybody else's toxic weight. Amen? Let's be the body of Christ and let's show the way. Let's repent when we need to repent. Let's love when we need to love. Let's go the extra mile. Let's go the extra mile to show love and to see this thing turn around for good. Amen. God bless you. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for hearing my heart today. Amen. Pastor Stephen's going to come right now. As you know, we've been trying to do social distancing to the best of our ability. He's going to receive, he's going to dismiss us. We're going to receive the offering on the way out. We've been dismissing out the side doors. Thank you for being here. If I don't get to say hi to you again, love you, and I'll see you next week. Amen. Amen, amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Don't y'all just love Pastor Buddy? Courageously sharing the word of God in love. One of the greatest communicators of this generation. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. So now, like he said, we can go that extra mile. We can go above and beyond because God has already gone above and beyond for us. Amen. So we can go above and beyond in our giving today. The Bible says you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That means with a smile on your face and on your heart. Amen. In verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Isn't that a blessing? Praise God. Now, that can look a couple different ways. You talk about going above your tithe, right? So, for example, let's say you tithe your 10%, but then you add maybe $20, $30, $50 on top of that, whatever that amount is for you. So now you have your tithe and an offering going into the kingdom of God. Another example, you tithe your 10%, but let's say you want to add another 1% or 2% or maybe 5%, wherever God leads you, and you can sow that treasure into the kingdom of God. So pray about that today, this week. Figure out where God wants to challenge you in your area of giving so that it could be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, there are tons of ways you can give, of course, here at Life Church. You can go right to our website, liferva.org. You can go download the Life Church app. We have recurring giving. You can set that up. We have text giving. You can set that up. I use that all the time, actually. Absolutely love it. Super safe, secure, and convenient just for you. You can write checks in the mail and send it right to the church office. Use the credit card machine in the back. And, of course, you can use the envelope right in the front of the, uh, the seat in front of you. You can use that so you can be properly tax receipted and drop it off on your way out. Does that all make sense to everybody? Amen. I just want to say one more thing publicly before I forget, because I forgot to do this. I want to say thank you to every one of you who have continued faithfully giving. Even while the doors of this church have been shut for a couple of months, giving is down a little bit, but we're not in any kind of a crisis situation right now, and it's because of you. And I want to say thank you. To every faithful member of Life Church, you call this church your home. And let me tell you, many of you have shown it. And it is really, I can't tell you how much pressure it's taken off of me personally, not worrying about trying to pay this mortgage payment and keep the doors open. And we've been helping a lot of people in the community too with your giving, people in the church. So I, forgive me, I wanted to publicly say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. I love you and I appreciate it because. Truly, you have proven that where your heart is, your treasure will be also. Amen. Thank you. Why don't we go ahead and pray over our offering?
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being our provider, always providing all of our needs. Lord, I just ask that you bless these cheerful givers that are here today. Multiply this offering, add your favor upon it so it could be a blessing to so many people above and beyond, not just this state, but our nation and our world. Lord, we just trust you. We love you. We honor you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, the guest services team is going to usher you out row by row, section by section. We'll see you next week. Have a wonderful week.